whenever there's something like this crisis or um, what was it, 13 years ago, we had the U.S. economy uh, collapse. With something like that, I think great role for a brand like SAP to play with those customers is to help with some guidance, some content, some points of view that are not at all tied to a sales cycle. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt, and this is C-Suite Marketing. Today's episode is a conversation with Eric Martin, Vice President of Account-Based Marketing for SAP in North America. Eric works with SAP's largest and most important clients, and he describes the challenges and the complexity of working across sales and marketing and with SAP's own top executives to orchestrate long-term initiatives to build trusted relationships for mutual value. Eric has been at this for a long time, and his experience shines through as we talk about the practical realities of creating VIP experiences. What types of personalization really matter? The impact of the pandemic and the importance of sticking to the fundamentals even amid dramatic change. Eric provides some great insight and a lot of examples, and I hope some inspiration and ideas for your efforts too. C-Suite Marketing is sponsored by Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast and all the work we do on executive engagement, ABM, and other B2B marketing issues at itsma.com. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And now for today's show. Eric Martin, welcome to the podcast. I am excited for this conversation. Thank you, Rob. It's always great to talk to you. You know, we've been friends and colleagues for years. You have done yeoman work in in building and running account-based marketing at SAP. So I want to start with just tell us a little bit more about your role and currently the program, and then we'll get into some executive engagement topics. Sure. Uh, Thanks, Rob. I lead our ABM program in North America, and that region is incredibly significant for SAP. About a third of our annual revenue comes from that region. And six or seven years ago, we took a look at the dynamics and said, you know, probably 40% of our revenue comes from the same 50 strategic accounts in the region. And there just seemed to be a great case for doing one-to-one ABM with those top strategic accounts. So you have a team, you have a program, you know, you're heavy into these 50-ish accounts. That's exactly right. And I imagine, I know, actually, uh, getting to the executive level with those accounts is a big part of the program. It is. And we, we have executive programs in a couple of different portions of SAP. Uh, you can think of it functionally. There's a, a content team that focuses on the executive audience and they create thought leadership pieces and research insights and things that are, are very interesting and in a unique point of view, yeah. specifically for C-level executives in certain lines of business. We have an events activation team that, you know, of course we have a big events team, but there's a team that just focuses on executive programs. And mm-hmm. some of them are kind of classic events and others are very much advisory groups and um, more of a peer discussion mm-hmm. than a vendor customer. Right. And then my part of the business is 
field activation portion of it. So anytime we're doing ABM with our accounts, the goal is to reach, of course, the executive audience as either decision makers or influencers. So there's three portions of executive engagement that I spoke of. We all work together pretty well. Mm -hmm. We leverage the content, go to market through some of these experiences and vice versa. They tap into me for insights into our executive audience and, and what we've learned just from working with them so closely. Right. And then you, I imagine, are working most closely with the account teams. We are. Everything goes through the account teams. You never want to be in the way of somebody <laughs> achieving their goals in sales. So we always make sure we are in concert with those goals and we are supporting them. Right. And these are really large accounts. I mean, these are businesses, essentially, that the account lead is running. They are. I mean, we're talking Fortune 100, Fortune 200, right. multinational conglomerates. And some of these account teams are three and four people that are responsible for a single account. So how do you approach the whole executive alignment? Because you're trying to reach, you know, I mean, SAP, obviously software company at heart. And, you know, like most tech companies started in IT on the account side, but I know now you're trying to work across the C-suite. So how do you think about this whole executive alignment issue? It's lots and lots of people on the SAP side that you're trying to bring in with a whole across the C-suite, essentially, of these big accounts. You know, you hit the nail on the head when you said we've had traditional success with, with IT. Some of the other dynamics that we've seen is as SAP has become a cloud company and close to 60% of our revenue now is from cloud solutions, a lot of those solutions have been sold to executives outside of IT. And those, those buying centers in the non-IT lines of business have much more buying power than they did 10 years ago and much more autonomy. And so if we remain solely in IT, we would miss an awful lot of opportunity. We would not get the growth right. rates that we need. Um, so a big part of our executive engagement is either enabling our sales team to get to those other lines of business with content, with events, with account-specific material, or sometimes um, it's going right to that customer and uh, engaging with those lines of business. But there's a dynamic that we have to be really careful about, and that is that a lot of the CIOs who have been our strongest advocates are most loyal customers. They feel a sense of ownership for this relationship. Of the relationship, right. And they would like a lot of the decisions on, well, all of the decisions on technology to flow through them, especially with SAP, who they've, they've had a long relationship with. Yeah, and these are big enterprise solutions. So IT is going to be in the middle of them no matter what, whether it's manufacturing, marketing, HR. And that sometimes works better than other times. Mm -hmm. um, and as a salesperson, it's hard for, for our salespeople to have their destiny reside in this, you know, CIO gate, this conduit. So if I've got, um, if I've got targets to hit, and I truly think, of course, these solutions are the best fit for these customers, mm -hmm. first, then I'd like to get directly to the buying source. So that's, that's fraught with relationship uh, issues. And um, we sometimes as marketing can help get to those lines of business in a way that doesn't upset the sales relationship as much as it would be if our sales okay. colleague walked down the hallway uh, and knocked on the door of HR or finance. Instead, marketing is helping them get to generate interest from those lines of business. So it's more of a pull rather than push. 
Yeah, it's a really, really good and important point, Eric. I think have to protect those key relationships. Those are central. But I'm curious, there's two sides to that expansion. So on, you know, from an SAP perspective, you're trying to get into HR, the head of HR directly, the head of marketing, the head of manufacturing, you know, supply chain. But the account lead is not necessarily an expert in all of those domains. And we know that the accounts, you know, those CXOs, they want consultation, they want advice, they want guidance. So your sellers have to also orchestrate that team to move across the C-suite. And orchestration is a great word. That's a big part of the job here. I mean, as the Mm -hmm. SAP portfolio has grown, and it's really grown over the last 15, 20 years, um, there's no way that any individual salesperson could have that breadth of knowledge needed to represent the entire portfolio. So they lean on some sales specialists Mm-hmm. that are responsible for certain product areas. And they right. bring them in as subject matter experts. And of course, there's compensation and revenue recognition, right. things that have to be worked out with a hybrid yes. sales organization like that. But we've got a pretty good harmony now between those two groups. And you know, the, the one fact of life that never goes away is there is a single account owner and that person is the who says on what is positioned to that account. Yeah, no, that's critical. I mean, I've worked in companies where there are regional issues. I mean, you're North America, I know. So maybe there's not as much of this global question, but sometimes you get those issues alongside of the domain, you know, the industry issues. You see plenty of that. You have a lot of global accounts. (laughs) Continuing on this thread, these are your biggest accounts, your top salespeople, your top sellers. Um, You're bringing in, I'm sure, a lot of SAP executives into the conversation, into the mix. How do you manage that part of the executive alignment? That is a, a really good topic. And by the way, our approach, I felt validated when I saw ITSMA research that talked about that's what executive audiences want. They want access to you know, unique content, but they really want to hear from subject matter experts. And they also want to talk to the top of the organization right. in our company. And right. you can imagine why, right? There's influence to be had. You want somebody at SAP to have a personal stake in their success. So they, they crave access to our executive suite, yeah. which is a finite group of people. So how do we spread them among so many customers, um, but allow them to do their job well at the same time? Yeah. I mean, they, they want to be interacting with customers, I don't know, 30% of the time, 50% of the time, but certainly not a hundred percent of the time. They can't, right? (laughs) There's a a tiered hierarchy that begins Mm -hmm. with the SAP board and SAP board members have like a double digit number of relationships where they are the primary. They are the chief executive at SAP that's positioned for that company. And we try to keep the number somewhat low, like in the teens. And there's other customers, of course, that they touch, but there may be another primary for that relationship. And it's it's a combination of board offices, individual executives at SAP and in our sales leadership, because the sales leadership is going to know what's the right talk track within that account. What's the right confluence of their interests and ours, where we would have a really good fit here and the Mm -hmm. personalities involved. So there's some lobbying that comes from our top sales executives. And then the leadership of the company typically takes their guidance. Okay. And that sounds formalized. 
in the sense of account sponsorship or ownership from your C-suite and board? It has become more formalized. I think and it was not yeah. uh, even a few years ago. And so it was messier, but it's, it is more formalized now. And I think that's, that's a better way to ensure that the time spent by our executives with those customers is really quality time. Yeah, I love hearing that, Eric, because I, you know, I obviously work with a lot of companies and you get into the lobbying and the loudest voice and the sense of urgency. And it's like, oh no, I need the CFO here next week. Yes. And it's not clear, is that really worth the CFO's time? And then if it is, all of a sudden they can't do the one the week after, which maybe would have been more strategic. And if they're being brought in late in the game like that, how much yeah. knowledge are they going to really have? How well, yeah. authentic will it be? Exactly. Um, that The preparation, the enablement. So this additional discipline is allowing us to give our executives a deeper relationship and deeper insight into that account. And it's not, let me look at the briefing sheet a half hour before the call. No, and I love that you also mentioned, I, I forget the exact words, but you know, it's the fit of yes. your executive and the executive team at the account. You know, there's a lot of knowledge and experience and expertise, but there's a kind of a cultural or personal fit as well. Can I give you a quick example on that? Please. One of our clients is one of the largest U.S. federal agencies. So portion of the U.S. government, mm -hmm. a really big one. And we were talking recently about um, one of these VIP meetings, one of these top to top meetings. And Yep. the right people to have in the room from SAP. And there was a, a domain expert that we know could wow this audience with their knowledge of some of our solution areas. However, that individual does not speak federal government. He had not grown up in that vertical the way that some other executives have. Right. And so for that reason, we did not position him with that federal agency. We thought you need somebody that's going to be able to speak to them a little bit more authentically. No, it's a good example. I mean, these are high stakes meetings. They are. Right. <laughs> right. You don't want to go in unprepared or unfit. And, you know, months in the planning, any of them. Right. Which, again, we've, we've sort of circled around this issue of scale in a way. You know, you made the comment, of course, your C-suite, your board, they don't scale. <laughs> right. You know? very often. And so, you know, it's interesting because you run an ABM program and we are seeing more and more this tight collaboration between ABM and executive engagement. A number of companies, maybe two, three, four, five years ago, as they began to invest more in executive engagement, it was not so targeted. You know, it was, we need to reach executives. <laughs> yes. And so I would always say, well, which ones, which accounts, which roles you have to prioritize, you have to segment. If you have an ABM program, you've already done that segmentation yeah. and prioritization. <laughs> we have, um, you know, and, and before we ever had an ABM practice, we had a strategic customer program. And, you know, they would pick 200 accounts around the world for the strategic customers. There's significant overlap between our ABM list and the SCP list. Yeah. It's not 100% um, for various reasons, but sure. significant overlap. And, and you're right, a lot of that vetting has already been done by the time we are asked to engage. 
Right. No, I, you know, it's funny. I remember I flashed back on a friend of mine from an unnamed large software company, not SAP, <laughs> who told me once the most important thing that a new CEO years ago did was solidify globally the segmentation. Huh. Everything else revolves around that. As a global company, these are our top X accounts, period. Yes. <laughs> they then get certain entitlements, deliverables, time from executives, all of that. And unfortunately, not everybody kind of wins at that. But the messiness of, you know, I'm in maybe a smaller region or line of business or right. vertical, and these are my strategic account, that gets messy. We've become more disciplined about that process, yeah. too. I mean, in the past, yeah. it was, well, this customer expects to be in the program because they have been, or we know they're going to buy $20 million um, in the coming year, so we better get them in the program. Right. And it was, you know, the criteria wasn't well-defined. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't adhered to, but we have become more disciplined about that. And I can say that today we do have criteria in place that is, that's the guiding light for the yeah, selection. It, it's hard. I mean, it's not easy. It is. As you said, these are you know, really big opportunities in many cases. Exactly. Um, let me pick up on the, because again, we touched on this already, the, the kind of organizational coordination and collaboration. We talk at ITSMA a lot about orchestrating executive engagement. You know, so you mentioned there's the thought leadership team, there's the uh, executive experience team, um, you know, there's the ABM right, team, right. all the sales from different groups and so on. When you look at these top accounts and the senior executives that you're trying to reach, how do you orchestrate that overall experience and relationship? I think that's one of the nice benefits of having an ABM program. Now that we do have that, there is someone from my team in the case of North America that is in all of those meetings and all of those discussions. And when it comes time to nominate various accounts for things, of course, we turn to sales for that. But the marketer knows what came before and what's going to come after, what's available in different parts of marketing that we haven't tapped into. So there's right. a nice coordination and orchestration role that's played by the marketer for the marketing engagement portion of this, at the same time that the account owner is managing the other engagement aspects of the relationship. Yeah, so it's, it's ABMer as kind of bridge and guide. Yes, as curator. And curator. Yeah, because we know on the sales side, it's just really hard for account teams to keep up with everything that's going on in marketing. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, a company it's like filter. SAP, you've got endless amounts of good thought leadership content. You've got events going on every week. <laughs> so if nothing else, our ABMers can filter that for right. sales and say, I've, I've handpicked the right things. Right. The other side of it I often wonder about is if you are running a thought leadership program, often your goals, your KPIs revolve around reach. And, you know, I want more people downloading, sharing, reviewing my content. Yes. From an ABM perspective, you don't care. You know exactly who you're trying to reach. You don't care about volume. You care about focus and quality. And so is, do you get into some of those issues where when you're working with some of those other teams, the metrics may not be aligned? For sure. 
for sure. And we have to avoid the temptation to just personalize that content and change some of the wording and position that as account-centric content. Because it's it's not, in that case, it's not built on insights from the account itself or any, you know, perhaps primary research or secondary research on the account itself. It's, we're hoping that it's a good fit in that first scenario. So right. we try not to do that, which I think is the, the easier, the quicker, the more scalable path. Yeah. Instead, we'll try to just be more thoughtful about it and do it from a place of actual insights into that account. No, that's Eric. I love that. And, and um, you know, I know you work on that all the time. We, we, one of the things we've been talking about with ABM and executive engagement is rethinking personalization. That that's a kind of, it is a personalization, but it may not be the right or effective personalization. Often, if you have a really relevant piece of content based on the your knowledge of the account, you don't even need to personalize it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. The content stands by itself. You don't have to say, dear Eric. You just, you know, Eric says, hey, Rob, this is really good. I know you're looking at this issue. Take a look at this. Yeah, we've talked in the past, Rob, about some of the VIP experiences that we've yeah. pulled off at, at different events. And mm -hmm. as you were describing content that doesn't doesn't have the individual's name on it, but it's just screams that company. That's what these experiences look like. And you know, for your audience that yeah. hasn't heard me describe this before, this is at like the SAP big events in the year. We'll take a very small handful of clients and we'll invite their C-level executives from both IT and, and the business to come to that event. And then we give them meetings and interactions that are just specifically for that account mm -hmm. with the larger event being the backdrop for it. But, you know, I'm thinking of some of our clients, we would we would show them a video where there would be, you know, they would go into a meeting space and all of the artwork on the walls is their brand. Mm. It's It looks like it's out of their corporate image library because we've thought about that weeks ahead of time, created new artwork that is from their, their image library or their, you know, looks just like their television commercials. Um, and so they feel that everything has been custom built for them, no, which, which it has. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I put together the last couple of minutes of what we talked about, there are some inefficiencies. If you've got one group that's creating content for an executive audience, you've got another group, mine, that wants to activate that and make sure we use it with ours. But there's there's got to be more than just let me put a logo and a name on that. So, right. you know, the inefficiency is that um, I don't think we're taking nearly as much advantage of the content COE as we could be for that oh, reason. Interesting. Okay, I know we have just a few minutes left. I want to touch on a couple more points. Obviously, a lot has changed in the last year and a half um, with the pandemic, with all the upheaval that we've all been living through, and you've made, you've had to make a lot of changes. Executive engagement historically has been a lot of face-to-face. So I'm curious, two things. One, a little bit about how you change, but also how you're thinking ahead, because I don't think any of us are assuming we're just going to go back to 2019. There's so much goodness that has come out of the digital virtual yes. creativity that we've all been doing. So maybe a little bit on how you change, but then more a little looking ahead. There's a couple things that come to mind. One is I think whenever there's something like this crisis or um, what was it, 13 years ago, we had the U.S. economy uh, collapse 
with something like that, I think great role for a brand like SAP to play with those customers is to help with some guidance, some content, some points of view that are not at all tied to a sales cycle. And so we will sometimes, you know, we've seen some of our most senior leadership put out points of view documents and guidance documents, white papers, that sort of thing that aren't tied to any SAP product. And I think that's a great way to build trust. Yeah. Um, you know, you care about my outcomes, my success. More specifically here in, in the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw some business models change for some of our customers. And so we, we jumped in and tried to help them make that pivot Again, sometimes in ways that never tied to a revenue opportunity for us, but that's a great way to build trust and long-term relationships. The other thing that I think has been, you know, you, you mentioned some of the good things that have come out of the last year and a half. Some of the cultural, artificial, formality barriers that sometimes existed that slowed down or bureaucratized mm-hmm. executive alignment have come down a bit. You know, we may have orchestrated our company's headquartered in Waldorf, Germany. So we still do this, but we, in the past, we, we may have orchestrated a long run up to a meeting in Waldorf, eight months of planning on each side. We still do that sometimes. But now we also might say, let's have these two CEOs talk over a Zoom call 10 days from now. You know, the calendar's magically aligned. There's some of that formality, some of the barriers to making those connections. I think has dropped just because, you know, you and I were talking before the recording started about some of our commutes are 40 feet these days or just right. down the hallway. Right. And that's true for our customers. So I am with you on that. And I'm, you know, one of the questions I think we're all facing now is how much of that can we and should we keep? Because the pace has been intense. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had to do it over the last year and a half. But it was um, reactive. Initially, it was reactive yes. for sure. And initially, there was some sense that, oh, this might be three months or six months. You know, we're 18 months into it or more now. Can we keep the pace up? We talk about agile. <laughs> you know, how do we institutionalize uh, agile? That's a great point. And I, I do see more of that thinking. And it's sometimes use short term, sometimes that's going to be yeah. the longer term operating model for that group. But even in the short term, it, it yields some some pretty good thinking pretty quickly. And then, yeah. you know, either fail fast or right. we have something that can then be expanded and mainstreamed within the company. Right. Um, last minute or two here, Eric, any other general thoughts for the audience about strengthening executive engagement? What are some of the keys to success from, from your side? You know, the item that I mentioned uh, just a minute ago about building trust when it's not tied to a revenue opportunity, that goes a long way. I come back to some of what I've seen from your research at ITSMA, which is these same executives often want access to domain experts within the company. So how can we better facilitate that? I think we've, you know, I've said a couple of times, we've gotten a little bit more disciplined about certain aspects of this. We're a lot more disciplined. So that's been part of it is how do we take these finite resources and prioritize where they spend their time? The pandemic and just the growth of our executive engagement program overall has helped us bring more maturity to, to that model. Looking ahead, any um, experiments that you're getting into, any uh, new types of activities that you're excited about? 
one of the conversations we're having internally is that we don't want to go too far afield from what our customers have for 50 years told us they need from us. So there's some core basics and we can add things to the periphery of that. Um, but I think we need to come back to those basics. You know, it's executive alignment. It's a value proposition that shows a quick payback period or helps our customers get into a new innovative business model of their own. It's a lot of the value that's traditionally been the case for how we appeal to senior executives remains. It's some of just how we communicate, how we get that message to those executives. Some of that's changed. In the end, it is always about the fundamentals. Yes, the context changes and it's changed dramatically in the last year and a half, but the fundamentals are still what matters most. That's the word I was searching for, fundamentals. Great. Eric, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. A lot of great insight here and uh, I know more to come. Me too, Rob. Thanks for a good thought-provoking discussion. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you think and any suggestions about other guests or topics for future podcast conversations. Check out other episodes of C-Suite Marketing on ITSMA.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again to our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders. Have a great day. Music